Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Seeking Refuge podcast. It's uh, good to be able to do this Bible study with you this morning. And uh, this is a convicting topic. It uh, beat me up pretty good. And um, kind of inspired by uh, uh, some stuff we were studying at church. We've been going through uh, the Gospel of Mark. And we came into Mark chapter 6, and he was teaching on uh, some things with Herod and John the Baptist. And uh, this study kind of jumped all over me, and I had a chance to study it out. And uh, we're going to be looking today at uh, at generational um, curse, that kind of topic in the Bible. Now, we know that, uh, you know, regardless of what our parents have done grandparents this and that you know when we get saved any kind of generational passing down of the consequences of that uh is broken um however as parents we need to realize that if we do certain things you know our children are going to suffer the consequences for that and even if we're not right with god as parents and they get right with god they may still suffer through some of the consequences that came from our bad decision. I'll give you an example. Uh, you may have a, a, a teenager or something that gets saved and they're in church and the parent commits a crime and goes to jail. Well, the child is right with God, but the parent is suffering those consequences for their action. But being separated from the parent is a consequence that the child suffers. So we're going to be going over this uh, today because... You know, I've heard this question asked over and over again. Why are things getting so wicked? Why are things so evil? Why is all this happening? Well, sin, you know, it has a a degradation effect on society. And, And on top of that, there's a generational degradation going on, right? So we're corrupting our own children because how many families are living wickedly uh, how many adults are living wickedly in front of their children? Um, and so, you know, I kind of, we were in this chapter and it jumped at me. I said, Lord, help us. Because if we don't set the example for the generations coming up after us, if you think it's just going to get worse than it is now. And as people reject God, as a, if a society rejects God, if the school system rejects God, if the government rejects God, then what's coming a generation, two generations, three generations after that is going to be further away from God, further away from understanding of liberties and freedoms which come from God. It's just things are just going to get worse. And, you know, in all reality, the Bible tells us things are getting worse. But that's the study for this morning. It's going to be a good one. I'm glad that you've tuned in uh, to do the study with me. It's uh will be in Mark chapter six, and uh, it's quite a message. So be ready for that. But uh, thank you again for tuning into the Seeking Refuge podcast. I'm Brother Brian Swinford. If it's your first time listening in, uh, nothing special about me, but I like to do this Bible study and I like to share it online for those that want to listen in. So the theme uh, verse for this podcast is Psalm ninety-one verse two. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust.
it's crazy in the world today, but we seek refuge uh, in God, in his word. And uh, he is a fortress for us. He protects us. And as bad as things are, if we'll trust him in his word and the direction and guidance he gives us, we're promised that victory no matter what happens around us. Uh, Seeking Refuge podcast, this is where we come together seeking refuge from the world in God's unchanging word. Get to Mark chapter 6, you should probably be there by now. We're going to go ahead and open up with prayer, and then we're going to get into this study this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for another opportunity uh, to do the Seeking Refuge podcast, Lord. And I thank you for everybody that listens in every week, and... uh, Lord, I lift them up to you in prayer. You know the needs, um, the individual burdens and the struggles, and we all have them, Lord. You know the things that I'm dealing with, and uh, we just we need your help, Lord. And it seems like everywhere we look, every corner we turn around, there's something jumping out at us, a distraction. You know, there's there's COVID. There's you know, violence happening in our communities. There's you know, just all these things pulling us in all these different directions, Lord, and uh, we just need your wisdom, we need your grace, we need your protection, Lord, and um, we need you to to touch the healing needs, Lord, and um, we just need your blessing, Lord, And, and most of all, we need a close relationship with you, and we thank you that you give us the word, Lord, we get, you give us your words that are pure and holy and true, and that we can learn and apply them to our life, and uh, and that is your will for us, Lord. We thank you. We ask your blessing on this study this morning. Help me, Lord, be a blessing uh, to those who listen in every week, and uh, Lord, we just need you. Speak, Lord, we're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Mark chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 14. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 14, and the scripture reads, this and king herod heard of him for his name was spread abroad and he said that john the baptist was risen from the dead now herod heard of the works that jesus was doing and the things that jesus was doing and feared that john the baptist was risen from the dead so we know herod uh had sentenced john the baptist to die And now he's dealing with fear and the things that were going on as a result of that. So we can make a bad decision. We can do something really wrong, really terrible. And basically what happens is our conscience will eat at us and eat at us and eat at us about it. And here's the thing. Regardless of what you've done in your past, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter what you've done. He takes the burden of your consciousness off of you. He lifts it from your shoulders. Um, Without Jesus, you're carrying it around like Herod here. He's carried his conscience. He's carried his guilt. He's living in fear. He's paranoid. Uh, and, and making bad decisions as a result of that. But let's go further in, into the into the text here. So Herod heard of him. Who did he hear of? Jesus. 
for his name was spread abroad, and he says that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth uh, themselves in him. Others said that it was Elias, and others said that it is a prophet, um, or as one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. You know, this should be common sense, right? But uh, apparently this family had some family problems, didn't they? Every family has problems. Um, because a family consists of a bunch of imperfect people living together. So if you think you've got problems, this man's family's got some issues going on here. But let's go further, all right? Uh, so, yeah, he's married his brother's wife. So your aunt is now your mom or something how does that work i don't know that's just messed up but anyway let's go to verse 18 for john had said unto herod it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife right we know it's a sin of adultery um to do this therefore herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him but she could not she was so angry at john for shutting down her plans that she would have killed him but even she had a line that she would not cross. You get that? Um, and also, what does it say about Herodias? Right? This is a problem today. She had uh, Philip, but that wasn't good enough for her. She wanted to be with the king. She was self-advancing herself. She wasn't with the king because she was in love with the king. She may not have been with Philip. Because she was in love with Philip. In fact, she may have used Philip to get to Herod. Um, isn't that messed up? But this kind of stuff that's happening in our society right now. So, you know, the what does the Bible say? Nothing new under the sun, right? We, we, there's a lot we can learn here. Um, getting with somebody for the wrong reasons is always going to lead to trouble. Yet, the more we preach about proper relationship development with our youths, it seems like they want to run and get, uh, uh, they want to have boyfriends and girlfriends before they're established in, in life. And that's not the Bible's plan at all. And if you're saved and you're in church and you're young, you're not supposed to yoke yourself to an unbeliever um, because it always leads to trouble and it always leads to somebody departing from the faith. And I hear this a lot, especially from teenage girls. But, um, maybe my walk with Christ will influence him to get right with God. Okay, I understand that that can happen, and it has happened, and it does happen. But please don't underestimate the power of the flesh. Don't put confidence in your own flesh, your own willpower to resist temptation and sin. And please understand that it is the Bible's format for the man to be the leader. When you take on that kind of statement, you're saying that you have the ability to lead him, but it's not... Your responsibility to lead him, it's his responsibility to be a leader. So you should have an attraction to a man who can be a leader who is biblically eligible 
to be a leader for a Christian girl because he's saved and right with God. You don't want somebody that's not saved and not right with God because he'll mislead you. Uh, okay, that was uh, that was free. Um, free two cents right there for you. But anyway, we're going to keep going further with this. Um, don't underestimate the power of temptation and sin. Stay away from it uh, because certain things we do once we have introduced it into our life it becomes something we must wrestle and battle against for the rest of our life and i cannot think of anything more powerful than what sexual immorality does to us once we've introduced it into our existence into our life into our lifestyle um it it becomes a war in our soul, and that is Bible. The Bible tells us to flee youthful lust. It tells us that, you know, you introduce this stuff into your lifestyle when you're supposed to be living for purity. You've created a conflict in your soul that should not be there. That's why we preach the purity and the abstinence for our use growing up, because um, it's like this. If you're in purity... If you are still in your purity, I should say, and you have not defiled yourself with that, then here's what you have to understand. You're one decision away from being like the rest of the world. Don't put yourself in the position to make the wrong decision. And if you have fornicated and done things already and defiled your purity... It doesn't matter how many good decisions you make from here on out. You still, you cannot get back what you've already given up. Consequences are sometimes permanent. Like I said, you get right with God, you repent, you get saved. You don't have the consequence of the sin. You don't have the shame, the guilt, the burden. God takes that from you. Um, But it still should be in the back of our minds you know, what we're capable of as human beings. Do not put confidence in the flesh. So we're going to go further here. Where did I leave off? We're in verse 20, right? We talked about the fact that Herodias was angry. Um, John the Baptist was hindering her plans. And she would have killed him, but even she had a line that she would not cross. Now verse 20. For Herod feared John. So Herod had fear. Um, it, more of a, this was more of a reverential fear, fearing the fact that God was using um, John because, you know, John had done some works there before Christ. So anyway, let's, let's go further in verse 20. Knowing that he was a just man and a holy, a holy man, and observed him, and when he heard him, he did many things, and heard him gladly. This is really a sad statement. What this is saying is Herod heard John preach. Herod responded to John's preaching and was glad at what he had heard, but then refused repentance, rejected the direction of the word of God in his life. And went the wrong direction. It is There is nothing more dangerous than sitting in a church pew on Sunday mornings. Hearing the preaching. 
being glad at what you're hearing, even being prompted to act upon what you're hearing, but then to turn around and reject the direction that God is telling you to go and refuse to do right and refuse to repent, you're just getting harder and harder in your heart towards God and towards the word. You're getting further and further away because you're doing that. You know, we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Uh, Herod's case is a prime example. Now listen to this. When a convenient day was come that Herod, on his birthday, made a supper to his lords, high captains and chief estates of Galilee. Okay, what do we have here? We got a party. We got a party in the making. Um, you know, typically these parties, you want to stay away from them. As preacher preached in our church, this was not a good party. You don't uh, belong at it if you're right with God. Um Verse 22, and when the daughter of the said Herodias came in, uh-oh, and danced and pleased Herod, and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, ask me whatsoever thou will, and I will give it thee. Oh my goodness. Um, how much of a pervert was this guy? the 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 wife of another man wasn't bad enough now he's committing uh lewdful acts with her daughter in front of her and the mom is not defending or protecting the daughter the mom is the pimp and she's encouraging the situation this is bad uh it's terrible Oh, and yet, in society today, well, I would never do that. If you've taught your daughter that she needs to marry a wealthy man with this kind of job and this kind of car, you're you're pimping her. I hate to tell you that, but you're teaching her to look for all the wrong things that make her happy. Uh, anyway, we're going to go further into this situation, but let's see what happens after... Uh, Herodias's uh, daughter, the prostitute, came in and danced for everyone. Um, and, you know, here he is, drunk, and running his mouth, promising things that he shouldn't. Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I'll give it to thee un unto the half of my kingdom. And, well, that was stupid. And she went forth, by the way, we say and make really stupid promises, intoxicated, uh, anyhow, uh, and she went forth and said unto her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. So the mom sends the daughter to do the dirty work for her. Wow. That's trifling. There's no better word for that. Um, and, and you know what? We're doing this today. Our society is sending our children to do the dirty work that we wouldn't do. Um, I could go on for 20 minutes on examples. We're not going to chase that rabbit uh, right now. We're going to leave that where it is. But you know it's true. Um, when a mom and a dad and a marriage doesn't work out and they split up. Why? Because they weren't honoring Christ in the marriage to begin with. Oftentimes, not always the case. But then they use the child against each other. Come on now. Um, sending the child to do the dirty work. 
planting seeds that don't need to be there, creating bitterness in, in stuff in the child towards one parent or another, destroying each other and using the child to do it. Come on. Uh, I can get an amen for that. I know you're saying it because it's true and that's how we act. And it's messed up and it needs to stop. Anyhow, she came in straightway. Didn't even hesitate. Didn't say, Mom, wow, that's quite a request. Um, just went in right away with haste. Sent him king, you know what? This is what I want. And, she, and, and, and saying, I will that thou give me, verse 25, by and by in a charger, the head of John the Baptist. Wow. Here's what we learned from this so far. Herod feared, but the generation after him didn't. Why? Because he had a godly fear and reverence, but then he refused to repent and he lived wickedly anyway. Herodias, um, you know, here's the adulteress. Here's the woman he let in. This was not heading in a good direction from the very beginning. In fact, Philip probably should have realized there were some warning signs about this lady and married her anyway. So anyway, Herodias put John in prison, but her daughter killed him. Herodias was an adulteress, but her daughter was a prostitute. Do you see it? It's a generational degradation. Um, it's a, it, this is happening. We're corrupting. Our society is being corrupted by our own selves. Uh, the Bible tells us, train up a child. But when we live wickedly before our children, we're doing the exact opposite. Um, Herod, he started out with adultery. He ended up wanting the daughter. I mean, you know what? You know what's happening here? The lust and everything that's going on. You need to know this. There is no limit to how far down sin will take you. Uh, it can take a man, uh, it can take a family, and it can take a society, and it can ruin you. Uh, it, it can ruin a nation, ruin a household, ruin a church. Sin is its what it does. It's the nature of it. It kills everything that it infests, um, and we need to repent. We need to, we need to live right. Um, Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, sin is a reproach. You think our current president is bad? Go elect one of his sons, you know, 10 years from now. It'll be worse because that's how sin works. Um, think about this. David had an established kingdom, <clears throat> but Solomon had, quote, not walked in my ways and lost the kingdom. Uh, his son, Rehoboam, think about this. Solomon asked God for wisdom, but when was given the power and the money, it corrupted him and he had all his wives and he did not walk in the way of, of God the way he was supposed to. And this, yes, this is the man that wrote Song of Solomon and Proverbs, uh, many of the Proverbs anyway, they were a collection of Proverbs, probably taught Many of them taught to him, but, you know, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, uh, what's the other one? Ecclesiastes, you know, but this is the same man God says did not walk in my ways and lost the kingdom. And then his son, this is how it happened. You know, Rehoboam comes in and takes over the kingdom after Solomon. Solomon asked God for wisdom. Rehoboam asked man for wisdom. Um, Rehoboam turned around. And 
refuse the wisdom. And then it says, it says here, Second Chronicles 10, 13, you write that down. Rehoboam, Solomon's son, refused the wisdom that he was given. And in Second Chronicles 12, 1, he forsook the Lord. Our children don't only develop our habits, but they inherit the consequences for us living wickedly. Um, Think about this, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase that one. You can write it down, but basically God says, I punish the wickedness of the fathers to the third and fourth generation, something like that. Um, You know, right now in the current dispensation of the grace of God and the church age that we live in, if you get right with God, he is not punishing you for your father's sins, your grandfather's sins. Although you may still feel the consequences of their bad decisions in sense of if those consequences kind of carry on, like the example I gave at the beginning of the podcast. Um, But here's the thing. You know, what are we doing? Uh, This is to the adults. This is to the parents. And I'm convicted here. What are we doing that's showing the generation we're bringing up? You know, they need to live for the Lord. And here's the thing. We got parents now that don't show up to church. Um, They don't take their children to church. Um, You know, and, and I'm not talking about saved people in the current climate that we're in today where, you know, we come for a week to church and then get exposed to COVID and we've got to quarantine and we miss a couple services and come. I'm not talking about that battle. All right. We're in a battle. We're in a war just to have the ability to worship in our country right now. And, and uh, you know, many of us are just doing the best that we can. What I'm talking about is mom and dad don't live for the Lord. They're not saved. And on Sundays, their kids are out on a ball field playing football, playing baseball, not going to church, not knowing that there's anything important to do with God at all. Everything is building their own empire. They're the product of their own success and hard work and or whatever the case is. You know what we're doing? We're raising a generation that doesn't know God. Here's an example of that. Go to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. It says here, trying to find a good place here. Look at verse 6. Judges 2, starting in verse 6, reads, And when Joshua, we know Joshua, led Israel into Canaan after the passing of Moses and the 40 years that Israel spent in the wilderness. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. So you have the example that I'm giving you here. Joshua, the elders, the leaders were following the Lord. However, a generation came up under him that decided they weren't going to follow the Lord. I don't know why, but, uh, oh, because they kind of liked the example that was being set for them in the land that they had gone in to inherit. Moses 
gave them the warning in Deuteronomy before he turned them over to Joshua to go in, turn not to the left, turn not to the right, don't do the things that the people in that land are doing, don't take pleasure in them, don't be attracted to them, that is the world I've sent you to conquer, I've sent you to take over and possess that which I've given you and promised you, don't squander it by trying to be like the people that are already there because I'm not giving you that land because of your own righteousness. I'm giving you the land because of their wickedness. But then they turn around and want to be just like them. That's the problem with our kids and our teens and our youth and what's happening in our churches today. They're wanting our churches to be just like the world so that it can be appealing to their friends and so that they can be more socially acceptable and so that they don't have to get made fun of for being a Bible believer. And so it's it's cool, it's hip, it's new, it's this, it's that. It's not from God if it's like the world. Friendship with the world is enmity with God and a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's Bible. Take it or leave it. Anyway, chase that rabbit. Back to the point. Joshua, the son of Nun, were in verse 8, the servant of the Lord died, being 110 years old. They buried him in the border of his inheritance in uh, Timnatheres in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill of Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation. So after that generation died, there arose another generation. Here comes another one. After them, this is heartbreaking, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Isn't that terrible? If we're not careful, we'll continue the pattern that we see today, raising a generation that doesn't know God. How dangerous is that? I mean, you think about... I'll just give three examples. Alcohol. You get drunk at home and your teen might sneak into your liquor cabinet and wreck the car killing themselves. Right? Your drinking caused their neglect. So what kind of leader will they be when they get older in their family? Seriously, alcoholism causes the neglect of a child and the neglect of a child can have that child grow up and become an abusive adult, um, a controlling adult. Uh, it, all kinds of consequences. Drugs. You smoke a little pot, but they grow up and become heroin addicts. Sexual immorality. Uh, you got a thing for pornography. You have an adulterous affair. Uh, our kids aren't stupid. You think they can't figure out what we're doing? You have a, uh, you're, you're single, but you're a single parent and you're fornicating and you've got boyfriends or girlfriends in and out of the house. You know what we're teaching our children? We're teaching them that there's no boundaries, seek pleasure, and that it's normal. Uh, Herodias, remember, was an adulteress, but her daughter was a prostitute, right? Um, the child was willing to do what the parent wouldn't. Where the parent drew the line, the child knew no boundary. Amen? And this is what we're teaching. We need to be careful. Think about this. Even if we set an example of sexual promiscuity on our children, you know what they have to deal with? Abortion. You know what? 
I know a bunch of people that run around saying, well, you have to have some abortions legal because of rape and incest. What percentage of abortions are because of rape and incest? I don't know, but it's probably less than 1% of all abortion. What is most abortions caused by? Unwanted pregnancy. Um, Teenage pregnancies. Um, I don't know who the daddy is. Um, He's not going to step up and take care of the child. You see, sex is for marriage because in the sanctity of marriage, when God chooses to open the womb, and it is God's way for this to happen because the family unit is a, is a symbol of the relationship of God and Christ in the church, right? And it's God's will for husband, wife, marriage, um, and then, you know, in marriage, we share things together and you share everything in marriage. Trust me. Babies come, <laughs> you know, that's what happens. God opens up the womb. Um, and you know, and in the event for whatever reason, a couple has problems with conception and conceiving children, oftentimes God puts them in a position to adopt, foster all kinds of things. All right, but what are some other consequences? Sexual immorality. Think about STDs. Um, you, you know, listen, I, rape is rape, and I'm not going to go there. But when we teach our daughters how to dress seductive, and we teach them to dress provocative, and we teach them, we take them to the department stores, and we buy them all the name brand garbage and the little cut off shorts and the mini skirts and. And they and you wonder why we're seeing more and more perverts out here uh, molesting children and all this other stuff. We are feeding that appetite as a society. All right, we are we are causing that problem. Now I'm not excusing anybody from being a pedophile, but I'm saying our daughters need to be taught how to dress and cover their bodies up so that they're not walking around in public showing themselves off all the time. Why? Because if nobody's around to protect them and they, you know, we teach them all the wrong things and they go off to college and they went out drinking one night. How many, how many more pretty girls dressed the wrong way, goes out, gets liquored up. The friends leave them because you don't make good decisions, have to be raped before we realize we need to teach them, stay out of the bar, stay away from the party, dress appropriately, live right, live for the Lord. You won't be in that situation. It's time for us to stop degrading the generation that's coming up after us. And that's what we're doing. And I got all fired up. I, we did this Bible study at church. I just, you know, is our heart broken for the condition of our society right now? I hear we get on social media and all these people have bashed the president. You know, Christians' responsibility isn't to bash on the president. We're supposed to pray for the president. I don't like who our, our nation has selected to be president. But the fact that that man got voted in and whether, you know, cheated in or however it happened, you know what we have to accept? A whole lot of people in our society actually voted for him, and that's how far away our nation is from God. And that's because we're raising up generation after generation further away from the Lord instead of closer to God. We're in trouble. And you know what? Maybe... This thing is set on a collision course with God's judgment. There's no way to escape it, and we're just waiting on the rapture. I get it. 
That's probably where we're at. I admit it. But it's our responsibility. If you're a parent, if you're an adult, live right. Live for God. Do it at home. No hypocrisy. Set the example for the children. Pray every day for them. Because yes, you can do everything right and live for the Lord and they can still choose to forsake wisdom, go to the wrong places for advice, you know, uh, refuse the counsel, refuse to repent, refuse. They can go along with church, turn 18 and depart. Many do. Even, and that's not necessarily your fault and it may not be your fault, um, it might be, but it probably probably isn't if you're living for the Lord. Um, that's probably a situation where they grew up thinking the grass is greener or there was somebody there planting seeds that shouldn't be there because that's what Satan does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, and that's just the way it is. But we've got to get it right right now. Set the best example that we can. And it is a struggle. First of all, teenagers, young people, if you're listening to the podcast, you can break a generation after generation after generation of bad examples and things in your family life. I don't know what's there, what's not there, especially if you're saved and you have your parents and things are not. You break the cycle. You set the example for the generation you bring up one day. You serve the Lord. You do it fervently. Um, and, and stay right with God. And if you're pure, keep yourself pure and understand that whatever sin you don't do, you know, uh, well, let me say it this way. If you get tangled up in sin and you're setting an example for someone under you, the things that you wouldn't do, because that's the line you drew, it's because of the things you did do that set the bad example. The ones that you're influencing might just be willing to cross those boundaries that you won't. But if you live right and you set the good example and you teach this is the right way and this and that's the wrong way and you're consistent, then those that you influence will have the same consistency because of the example you set. Don't underestimate the power of the flesh in either, in either direction. Because sometimes even in our own flesh, we have feelings of, I don't want to be like this. I want to be right. And then that is something God can use to equip us to spiritually put into action what needs to place, uh, what needs to go in place for us to live in a more glorifying way for the Lord. So that's where the study went. That was on my heart. Powerful, convicting. Um, I needed it. I hope you needed it. I hope we're inspired, influenced, and encouraged to live right, and I know it convicted me. I hope it convicted you. Thank you again for tuning into the podcast. Um, Lord, I ask you bless everyone that listens in. I ask you bless this Bible study. Help us act on it, take it seriously, put urgency behind it, and put it into action. It's always a blessing to do these Bible studies. Thank you again for tuning in to the Seeking Refuge podcast. I'll see you next time.